Jesus, we thank you for the wondrous mystery of the gospel, the beauty and the wonder that you have come to save us sinners who are rebelling against you, wanting nothing to do with you, far from you. But you have come near, and you have pursued us, and you have saved us. You have redeemed us. We thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. We thank you for the fact that we can cry with victory this morning. We can sing your praises this morning with victory, knowing that you are coming again to take us unto yourself, and you will make all things new. We look forward to the day when we will see you face to face. We thank you that now you rule in heaven with authority and with power, with sovereignty that none can challenge or question. I thank you for being sovereign and for being good. You are a good king. Thank you for loving us so much in your son. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you move in power and in might through Seth, that he might speak your words and our lives might be changed as we hear from you, God. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your word that we might um, know who you are and what our lives should look like in light of that, God. Just give us eyes to see the truth of Jesus and ears to hear the truth of Christ that we might be made more and conform more into his image. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to be back in First Peter this week as we continue our Healthy Church series. You know, we had taken a, an aside and talked about church discipline the last couple of weeks, uh, looking at it from Matthew, but back in First Peter this week. And, and, and just let me kind of set this up. Peter didn't ever use the term healthy Christian or healthy church, right? This is, it's, it's a term that we've really developed in our culture today, in our context. But it appears that that's really the point of why he's writing. I mean, he's, he's writing to help these first century Christians learn to live and understand how to live a, a healthy Christian life, a life that would, would reflect the image of God, that to, to live in very difficult circumstances, to live in very uh, dark days, but still honor God. And, and, and that is really what is at the heart of being a healthy Christian. It's, it's living in such a way that honors God, glorifies Him with our lives, and, and, and ultimately is used by Him to bring others to glorify Him as well. And today we're considering the concept of freedom. Now right now, I know... In, Every red-blooded American that's in this room, you're, oh boy, freedom. We love freedom, right? We, we appreciate freedom. We, we, we set aside a day, a weekend, to celebrate it every year, as we, and we just did a few weeks ago, 4th of July. We, we celebrate our independence. We celebrate our freedom. We talk about and enjoy the, the many freedoms that, that our Constitution gives us, and we, we go back and forth on Facebook about how important those freedoms are, and we just, we just love freedom. I think you'll see quickly as we read today from Peter's perspective that doesn't necessarily look the same or wouldn't necessarily be defined the same as freedom as we would talk about it today. Not because he's speaking to first, first, first century Christians, not, not because he's talking about it from a first century perspective, but because he's talking about it from a Christian perspective. You see, the truth is, whether, whether you're ready to hear this or not this morning, it's pretty quick and and I know it might be a little disappointing, but American freedom is not the same as Christian freedom, okay? I mean, let's just be, let's be upfront about that as we begin to read the Word. I mean, Peter, we're going to be reading actually 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. It's a long passage. We're actually going to start speeding up. We've been dealing with this really verse by verse and just a, a few words at a time at points, but we're going to start spe speeding up. If you've got your Bible, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn there so that you can 
pay close attention as we read through. And while you're getting it, let me just kind of introduce it and get it back into the context. It's been a little bit since we've been reading from Peter. And so I just want you to have fresh in your mind what, what's going on. Peter has established for us who we are, who we are together in Christ. He has established for us what we have what we have been called to do. He has given us gospel doctrine. I mean, He has given us the teachings that we are called to believe, the, the work of God that He has done on our behalf. And then, and then the doctrine that says we're to believe in it, that we can't do anything to earn it, but we must believe. And, and He's given us this gospel doctrine that's led to this whole new gospel identity. You're no longer, you're, you're no longer just a, a, a person walking in the world. You're, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're, a, you're, you're, you're redeemed. You're ransomed. You are, you are holy. Those, those, that, that new identity that, that creeps from the inside out. The, not, not an external religion, but an internal transformation that has occurred in your life. That's who you are because of what God has done. And, and you're not that by yourself. Gospel identity quickly bled over to gospel community. God worked on our behalf for our good. He made us new, and then He didn't leave us alone. He brought us together that we might have life together. This gospel community. But, but He didn't just tell us who we were, and He didn't just tell us what God had done for us. Now He's given us gospel activity, and He's saying now you're to do this because of who you are. You are to live in such a way that, that at times may be misunderstood. At times it may not be appreciated. At times you may be called names and, and, and people may be frustrated with you, but, but you are called to live in such a way that your allegiance is to God first and His glory. To live such a worshipful life that when the, when the scoffers come, when the, when the accusers come, when the revilers come, that their, that their accusations can't take hold. You see, the, the thing is, is that it's not that you're not to be called names by the world around us. I mean, we, we can be called names by the world around us. They, they can call us all kinds of things. They can call us evil. They can call us bigoted. They can call us backwards. But the reality is when they call us those things, they shouldn't be true. Right? They shouldn't be true of us. Our lives and our lifestyles should, should be lived in such a way abstaining from sin and living honorably before God. That's the, that's the context that this falls in. That when they speak of us, even if it's spoken ill of us, that their words not be true. And he sets this out for us. He, he gives us this concept and he's established it really all the way through those opening chapters. And now he turns and he helps us begin to see just how practically that works out. Just how, how practically it works out in our day-to-day -day life as he talks to us and shows us that we are free. So let's read verses 13 through 25 of chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do good. For this, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. 
Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now we're going to just take a break for just a second. And let me just, let's just encapsulate this idea. It's a long passage. I just want to encapsulate this idea. Peter, he's established that we are God's people, aliens and exiles in the world. This is not our home. We, 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 we don't belong here. We're just passing through. That doesn't mean that we don't still have some level of responsibility here. It doesn't mean that we can just go about doing whatever we want. You see, the mentality, if, if, we, if we take that idea, we're aliens and exiles here, well, we're just, it, nothing matters. We just do what we're going to do and forget everybody else. We're, we're our own people. We're going to do our own thing and, and forget everyone else. We, we, we still have a responsibility to the powers that be. We still have a responsibility as good citizens of God's kingdom to live as good citizens of this world. We, we have that responsibility. It's God's will, he says. It's God's will that we do these things as we live in submission to the authorities above us, living orderly, law-abiding lives that, that silences the critics. Remember, they may say bad things about you, but it shouldn't be true of you. But, but notice this. this. This is where I think it kind of causes tension, at least in our lives. In the very same breath that Peter is speaking of submission, he is speaking of freedom. Remember, I told you we're going to talk about freedom in my very first word. My very first, the very first line opens up, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. In the very same breath, be free. You see, the idea is that there's something going on here. I mean, just ask yourself, is that the way? Is that the way we perceive freedom? I, it's my experience. I don't really have anything to build this out of. Just in my experience in dealing with people, that this is not necessarily how we would define that. You know, we might use a textbook understanding of freedom, but it seems to me that the that the average person today would define freedom as being able to rule themselves, to be able to do what they're going to do. Oh yeah, now I understand. I, I need the government. I mean, we we got to have laws, and we got. I, I get that, but who are they to tell me what to do in my own house? Right? I mean, how many of us abide every law even when no one is looking? Who are they to tell me how to drive my car? I'm a, I'm a good driver. I can handle the 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. I don't need a cop telling me that I need to drive the speed limit. Come on. Who, who are they? No, we wouldn't say that. I know. We're good Christian folk. We, we, we wouldn't say that. But our actions speak louder than our words. You see, we consider ourselves free, and I think we consider ourselves most free when we're independently sovereign. Now, that breaks down. It falls apart when, it, when it's brought to its logical extension. But I think we still act that way. But by God's will, we have been called to submission. Peter, Peter is saying, look, you are free to submit. How do those things even go together? You're free to submit. You are free to submit to the governmental authorities. You are free to honor everyone. You are free to love the brotherhood. You are free to fear God. You are free even to honor the emperor. That would be like Obama in our, in our estimation, right? I mean, in our 
in our cycle of things. That, that would be Obama. And I, I don't know if all Christians are really good about that. But you're free to. You are free to do these things. In fact, you, you might notice in, in this passage, in this little bit of context here, Peter is talking about this freedom to do these things and to submit in these ways, to honor the brother or to honor everyone, to love the brotherhood, to, to fear God. He is connecting all of these ideas to being servants of God. And the word servant he uses is doulos. And that would be someone that is uh, in permanent relation of servitude to someone else. We might call them a slave. You see, servant's probably too nice a word. Because we see servants, you know, getting paid. and This is someone who is always in servitude to someone else. Peter says, you're free to be that person. You are free to live under the full authority of God. I think, I think if, I think there's something very different about Peter's view of freedom. And I think we need to know, if we are going to be healthy believers, if we are going to be a healthy church, I think we need to understand his view of freedom. Let's keep reading in verse 18. Servants, be subject to, to your masters with all respect, not only the good ones, good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. For to this you have been called. Remember, this is the will of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to, who, to, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been Healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Again, Peter highlights this this relationship in which he calls us to submit. Maybe one that we're not really good at submitting under. Ser servants are to submit themselves to their masters. Not the ones that they like, not the ones that they think are good or, or that they agree with, but even the ones who are unjust, even the ones who we would say are abusing their authority, we are called to submit to them. This is what you've been called to. Now this time he uses a, a word that's different for servant. So he uses servant of God as a slave of God. And then he turns around and he uses a different word, that speaks more of, of someone who would be like a, 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 a servant who is paid or someone who's in the house. and it's, it's got less weight to it. 
We would probably define this best inside of the, the boss and employee relationship. Even the bosses that you don't like, that you don't think are good bosses, you're called to submit to them. But notice again, his call to this, it's not just so that you look like a good person. His call is a gospel call to live out gospel identity as God's free people in this world. He he bases this not on what you can gain in life, not on you getting a promotion, but on you revealing or reflecting the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross for each of us. We are not free in the sense that we get to rebel against all authority. We are not free in the sense that we get to rule ourselves. Christian freedom is always marked by willing submission to God's authority expressed in the world. We are never free in the sense of being our own ruler. That is a lie of the devil. That is something that comes up in our minds as we think that we have some better plan for ourselves than anyone else. It is a lie. We will always be under the ultimate, ever-reaching, never-ending authority of God. In Christian understanding, in Christian perspective, we can begin to see that. The difference is is that we willingly submit to it. Before you were a Christian, it wasn't that you were actually out from under His authority. You're still going to answer to God. He still is going to determine your destiny. But your life was given to rebellion. Your life was given to striving to rule yourself. It's not going to happen. You are never going to outrun or go far enough away that you are going to extend yourself beyond His authority. There's no escaping it. The question is, will we submit to it? Will we really give up ourselves enough that we would submit under the authority of God? Are we going to strive to be free? Or are we going to strive to live in blindness? Brothers and sisters, church family, this is what it looks like to be healthy Christians in day-to-day life. Submitting under the authority of God as it has been expressed in the world. And we see it. We see it. I mean, he tells us, verse 15, it is the will of God that we do this. He says it in verse 22 or 21. This, to this you have been called. We are God's people. We are his chosen race. We are his holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. We are his treasured possession. You remember all of those identifiers from, from earlier in First Peter chapter 2. We are those things. But because we are those things, we have a responsibility to the God who said we are those things. He calls us to submit under Him. He says, in this submission you find freedom. You are free. 
But God's authority is expressed in the world, and you are called to submit to it. And he emphasizes some areas for us where where that happens. He first emphasizes submission to the government. The government these Christians lived under obviously is different than ours. They were not living in a democracy. They they lived in a in a kingdom, you know, the Roman Empire. They were under the rule of, of Caesar. And by by the very uh, alignment with Christian uh, doctrine and Christian teaching, and by the very by the very following of Jesus Christ, they were separating themselves from the government. But he's saying, hey, you're not out there to be inciting riots. You're not to be out there doing, doing things that would, would work against them. How does that apply to us? I mean, ultimately, the, the government is very different, but the purpose for which God ordained the government is exactly the same. The government has a role, a responsibility to make laws that, that are enforced, that, that bring consequence for doing evil, and laws that serve people who abide by them. That, that make our life safe and comfortable for those that abide by them. We as Christians, we, we should be less about complaining about the government or those holding office in the government and more about upholding the laws established by it. I, I, I just wonder, are you more known as, as one who is so dissatisfied in the government than you are as one who lives under the authority of God? How would people identify you? Are you uh, we shouldn't expect more of the government than, than what it was intended to do. It's not our Savior. If we get the right president and we get the right powers in Congress, America is not going to suddenly become Christian. It doesn't mean we should abandon our, our responsibility. It doesn't mean that we should no longer vote. In fact, I think this gives us a, a responsibility, a moral responsibility to to vote, to submit to the ways of government, to vote and vote the ways that would honor God. I think it gives us a moral responsibility for Christians to be involved in government at all levels, from the local to the federal. I think we have responsibility to make good policy, to bring consequence for those who break laws, and to serve and praise those who abide by But we should never expect more of it. Our government is not our Savior. Your hope in this world will never be whether there's a Republican or Democrat sitting in office. In fact, in fact, if we were to truly vote our conscience, I wonder if we might not quit voting for either of those parties. Well, I don't want my vote to not count. Maybe it counts, just not the way you think it should. God has ordained all governments. He didn't fall asleep and Obama get elected. He didn't fall asleep and Bush go to war. God, he's ordained them all. From, from Caesar in Rome to the, to the king in England, well now the queen, to the president in the United States. It's no accident. Submit to the government that is above you. Now, there may be times that we obey God rather than government. There may be, time, may be times that, that we do something uh, other than do what the government has called us to do. There's examples of this all the way through Scripture. And, and I remember two from our VBS just a week or two weeks ago. 
Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Why? Because he disobeyed the law. He didn't pray to just the king. He prayed in front of an open window, no less. It's like he flaunted it. He prayed to God alone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. Why? Because they broke the law. You see, the, 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 the reality is, if the law calls us to disobedience, if the law calls us to dishonor God or disobey God, then yeah, we have a right, not a right, a responsibility to honor God first, to fear God. But we have to be willing to accept the consequence. You lose your job, you go to jail, you get thrown in a lion's den, or put in a fire. Not that we're going to do much of that today, but you accept the consequence. You willingly accept what comes as you strive to honor God, recognizing that as you submit, God is honored and the foolish talk of critics is silenced. A Christian submission to their government is an expression of faith in, faith in and fear of God as sovereign ruler over all the earth. He rules supreme. His authority is ultimate. And now submitting to them, it, it is the logical end of being made free in Christ. We have been made free. So we can model our citizenship in heaven right here, right now. Next, he calls us to honor everyone. And the word he uses is, is, speaks of seeing others as a prize, to, to, to see them and recognize their intrinsic value. Everyone, even those that haven't been born yet, from, from pre-birth to bedridden, everyone. There's no one that shouldn't gain this or, or, or have this right, regardless of race, ethnicity, social class, sex. Every life matters. Every life matters, regardless of our vocation, even the emperor, honor Everyone, every person, every person bears the image of God and should be treated with dignity and respect. This is important we get this. Because as God's chosen people, as His holy nation, you know how easy it would be to just draw back, just begin to think of ourselves better than everyone else? You, you ever read about that in the Bible? About the people who were so self-righteous, that they didn't need anyone else, and look at us. I'm glad I'm not like that poor tax collector over there. No, brothers and sisters, God didn't establish us as his people in a world that, that we would be against the world. He established us as his people in the world for his purpose and given his mission so that as we live, we can reach into the world and glorify God that they might be able to see His glory. There might be times that we're misunderstood. There might be times that our actions are not appreciated. I'll give you a perfect one last night. So Connie Givens passed away a couple of weeks ago and her family was abiding by her final wish and she had seen that Green Lawn Funeral Home does fireworks shows and she was cremated and, and they 
put some of her remains in a couple of the, the fireworks at the end, and then they do a fireworks show, and at the very end, they, they shoot off her ashes. And, and so she wanted to do that here. This is the only church she had ever called home. 70, 70, I think 74 years, I can't remember exactly, 70-some years of life, she had never called another church home. She had never called another person pastor. About eight months before she dies, she finds Jesus in this church. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to honor her. I'm going to honor her family. And so the fireworks go off. It was a pretty neat deal. It was a neat show. Man, people came out of the woodwork. Actually, only two. It seemed like coming out of the woodwork when they came storming up mad. <laughs> what are you doing? It's 9.30 at night. And they were shouting. Some One was dropping F-bombs all over the place. Just angry, venomous. And this is what we're doing. Well, I don't care. They, they came with accusations about how bad we were being to the neighborhood. But look at who we are. Look at what we did yesterday. A thousand bags passed out to collect school supplies for that school in this neighborhood. Look at how we serve the, the neighborhood of, uh, association. They meet here regularly. They use our property. We, we give them rain here. We give them access here. Look at, look at how we serve our neighborhood movie nights in this place to, to just come and free family fun. You see, sometimes we'll be misunderstood. Sometimes people will mistake us. But what they say about us cannot be true. We must honor everyone. Look, we are free. We are free from racism and sexism and classism. We have been freed because the, the playing field has been leveled. We stand on the level ground before the cross. We all have been saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. We're all a bunch of trash that God saw value in and said, You are mine. Not trash anymore. Saints. Sons, princes, and princesses. And when Christians strive to honor everyone, it is an expression of faith that God has made everyone valuable, that His image is intrinsic in every person before their first breath until their last breath. We must honor them. He says, love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. We're, we're going to talk about this more in depth in the weeks to come. We won't go into it much here, but I do think this, as we talk about submitting submitting ourselves under the authority of God, we've got to deal with this piece here in, in, in part. When you come to join the church, when you are brought into God's family, it's not like joining a country club. You are called to submit yourself to that church. And I don't mean submit in the sense that you're, it's like somebody's driving you, and, but to so proactively love them that you are finding ways to serve them and, and treat them well and, and live in their best interest in the very same way Jesus Christ has lived in yours. I just wonder, does the world see you as someone who loves the brotherhood or attends an event on Sunday mornings? 
we have been called to submit to God. We have been called to live under his authority, and he commands us. It is his will for us that we love the brotherhood. When Christians love one another, it is a tangible expression that we know God's love. You see, in his love, you have been made free from having to make your own way. He made it for you. You have been made free from having to to find affirmation and power and control. He has all that for you. You have been made free from from the rat race of this world. You are secure in Him. And now, now, all of that love that He has poured out on us, that He has bestowed upon us, we don't even have to hang on to it. We can just let it flow because we'll never get to the end of it. And when we as Christians love one another, it is a tangible expression to one another and to the world around us that we have received God's love. And we know that it is a never-ending supply. He says also, then, submit to your master. Be a good employee. Now quickly, just, just real quickly, he doesn't address bosses here, but, but if you're a boss, if you're a manager, or if you're a business owner, don't, don't think that you're allowed to mistreat your employees. Honor everyone. Right? That's even if people work for you. Honor them. Treat them with the value and the respect and the dignity that they deserve as, as image bearers of God. But he does address specifically employees. I don't know why he does that. In part, maybe I, I, I kind of feel like at least I was, a, I was a terrible employee. I had a boss that I couldn't stand. I would argue with him and disrespect him in front of other employees. I thought, he was, I thought his decisions were, were terrible. I always knew if he would just do what I told him to do, well, our business, that business would be great. It would run well. And then I sat down and studied my way through this letter. And these words set me down and shut me up. I was resistant at first. I mean, I mean, that's who we are, right? I don't, I don't like to submit any more than the next person, but, but it set me down and shut me up. Do, do you know my boss, oh Lord? Do, do you really know who he is? Do you know what he does to people? And these verses would ring in my head. Follow in Jesus' footsteps. I mean, he attaches it directly. I, I think that the reality is that, that these things are, are kind of interchangeable. Follow in Jesus' footsteps, submit to the government. Follow in Jesus' footsteps, submit to uh, uh, your employer. Follow in Jesus' footsteps. Honor everyone. Follow in Jesus' footsteps. Love the brotherhood. But he attaches it specifically here. And, and, man, do that. Your your influence in the workplace, you have opportunity that that I don't have. Your role in this world is significant. As you walk out into the world and as you live, submitting to your boss and being the best employee you can be to the glory of God, that not only will open opportunity for you to witness directly, but it, 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 makes your, it makes your actions align with your words. And when the revilers come, when the, when the scoffers come, when the ignorant talk comes, they will be silenced. Because it will not be true. Say what they may. It will not be true. Christian submission in the workplace 
in their work is an expression of their certainty that all authority belongs to God. You see, if we're unwilling to work under a boss, how are we going to be willing to submit to a God that we can't tangibly see? How are we going to do that? No one is ever going to have authority that God doesn't allow. Even those that are abusing it, He has allowed it because He owns every bit of it. And we are called to submit to it. Christian freedom isn't found in the right set of circumstances, but in submission to the sovereign God. Brothers and sisters, we are not free to rule ourselves. We are free from sin to submit to God. And our lives should mirror that level of submission in the government as we interact with people that we meet on the street, as we interact with people who aren't believers, as we love one another, one uh, another who are Christians, and as we work in our workplace. It's not difficult, but it is God's will for you. To this you have been called. Let me just close with just an idea, just an understanding, I think, I hope, in the way why Peter draws out Jesus' life at the end of this. So he was, he was arrested, tried unjustly, trumped up charges. And what did he do? As he was reviled, he didn't revile. As he was threatened, he didn't threaten. In fact, as they, as they scourged him, Pilate, they eventually hand him over to Pilate. Pilate sends him to be scourged. He doesn't say a, a, an ill word towards anyone. They bring him back. They, they put crowns of thorn on his head. They put a, a purple robe. They laugh at him. They mock him as the king of the Jews. Pilate says, don't you understand? Don't you know that I, can, I have the power to kill you or the power to let you live? Don't you know? Jesus says to him in John 19, 11, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. You see, the Jews, they were sinning. Pilate was sinning. But the authority is God's. There is no greater authority than his. You will never sit under authority that he hasn't allowed you to sit under. So submit in it. Live as a healthy Christian in this world that they might see God's glory in you. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope that we have in you. I just ask that you give us strength to live in the way you've called us to live. Help us be your people. Help us live as your people. It's all these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Every week we come to this time to respond, to consider the word that has been preached, to, to hear the Spirit and act in accordance with what He's called us to. So I just would ask you this week as we consider the, the passage, I would just ask you to consider where you're rebelling. Where are you not submitting? The, the truth is, is that if you are rebelling in some way, in some place, if you're not honoring people, if you're not submitting yourself enough, if you're not giving yourself up enough 
that you can honor people, everyone. If you're not loving the brotherhood proactively, going after serving them and meeting needs and tangibly being a benefit to them, if you're not submitting to God's call to that, if, 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 if you're a poor employee and have nothing but harsh words and ill will towards your boss and it's hard for you, there's a reality that you are not just rebelling against that authority, you are rebelling against God's authority. Hear me lovingly plead with you. This is not, I, I'm not trying to come down on you. I am as guilty of this as anyone. We must submit to God. That's where we find freedom. In the same way that Jesus Christ submitted Himself, He gave up an identity. He gave up heaven and took on a new identity. He gave up a, a, fellowship with the Father in a way that, that, that He might come and be a servant. And in that moment, I, we, we, we don't get it. We don't completely understand it. It's, it's impossible for us to see that fellowship broken. He who knew no sin became sin. He submitted Himself to this kind of treatment that we might be healed that we might come back to the shepherd, the one who takes care of us, and the overseer, the one who exercises authority over us, that we might come back to Him. So submit your life to God. And walk in that freedom in this world. Knowing that that freedom has been bought by the blood, by the sacrifice, by the death and life of Christ. Today, come and respond in repentance and walk out a free person submitting to the authority of God as, as expressed in this world. If you're struggling with sin, I'll be at the back. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to stand with you, pray over you, and connect you to people who will walk beside you. If you have never trusted in Christ, this might sound like law to you. It might sound like all these things you got to do. Dismiss everything except this. Believe in Jesus. Get that peace right. Trust Him. You are a sinner in need of forgiveness. Trust Him. And then come. Let me pray with you and talk to you what, what it looks like to walk in light. However you need to respond, I encourage you to do as Matt leads us in song.